many of you all are my change positive people? You like change. You like mixing it up. You like doing things different. You like trying new things, new experiences. Now, who are my change resistant folk? My people. Because I don't need a new place to go eat breakfast. I know what they have. I know exactly what I'm going to get. I love routine. I love knowing what to expect. That way, you know, I can just have a really good, mediocre level of satisfaction. Right? I don't miss out on taking a swing and a miss. A swing and a miss. Here was my latest, my latest swing and miss going out to eat on a restaurant. My wife, she's, my, she's the change positive person in my life. One, we went to go to Vietnam Cafe. Okay? Who's been to Vietnam Cafe in Kansas City? Anybody? Amazing place. It's like your perfect hole-in-the-wall place to go and try Vietnamese food. And so we started with some pho. Not pho, Midwestern people. Pho, right? And so I got some kind of combination of, of ingredients in mine. And I'm eating this, and I'm seeing these little strips of things, and they look like they have little suckers on them. And I'm thinking, oh, it's just, it's probably a squid or octopus, that's fine, whatever. But the more I'm eating it, I'm like, this isn't, this isn't octopus. This isn't squid. That doesn't, that's not a real sucker. So I go back and look at the menu and read the details, which normally I do. I don't know why I didn't do that. But it was tripe, beef tripe. Do you know what tripe is? It's stomach in lining. It's the stomach lining and intestines that they've cleaned out and cut into little chewy strips. And I just said, all right, that was, that's, my, that's what change gets you right there. Just a mouthful, <laughs> a mouthful of tripe. And so um, change, it's something that, uh, that we have to do. You can't avoid it. I have a now middle schooler. He's going to be going through some changes. It's so funny. They don't even know what the word puberty really means yet. God help them, you know. <laughs> So change, it's going to happen to us. There's no way we can avoid it. Um, we just, it's just how we react to the change. But what do, we, what do you do with change? What do you do about change that you want in yourself? You know, not talking about circumstances, not talking about job. When you think about who you are, you think about your inner self, I just want you to think for a moment. I just want you to kind of engage your senses. You don't have to close your eyes right now. But just to sit here and just breathe, and just be still, and just kind of think, what is it about myself I wish I could change? Is there something in my personality? Is there something in my character? Is it something in how I feel about who I am, or what I think about myself? that I feel needs changing. What is that? If it's important to you, it's important to God. And so that's why we want to zero in on that. We want to think about it. What is it that I want to change? And is it possible to experience life change? A life-changing story in this world. And so we're going to be looking at this book of Galatians. We're going to be looking at the Apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul's kind of our guide because he experienced a transformation that was so astonishing people didn't believe it they absolutely couldn't believe the kind of change that paul 
went through. And if you're not familiar with Paul's story, what we have right here is just a short little video we're going to play to kind of get us all up to speed and on the same page. Would you go ahead and play that for us? The scattered followers end up in surprising places, like Samaria, where their ancient enemies live. Yeah, and Luke shows us how all of these unexpected people start following Jesus, like a sorcerer from Samaria who has to learn that the way of Jesus isn't about gaining power, but giving it up to serve others. There's also a story about an Ethiopian delegate who, after discussing the scroll of the prophet Isaiah with Philip, decides to join the movement. Yeah, Jesus is expanding his movement out into Judea and Samaria, just like he said he would. Which is great. But back in Jerusalem, he meets Saul of Tarsus. He's part of the religious elite who oppose the new movement, and he's finding and arresting Jesus' followers anywhere he can. This is a cruel guy. But think about it from his perspective. In the past, Israel had turned away to other gods and to false prophets, leading to disaster. He believed he was protecting Israel and God's honor by getting rid of these people. And then Saul hears that the movement spread north to Damascus, so he sets out there to find and arrest more followers. And on the way, Saul has this sudden encounter with the risen Jesus himself. Jesus asks Saul why he's fighting against him. And then Jesus commissions Saul to now represent him to Israel and to the nations. And Saul is stunned and speechless. And so he ends up in Damascus. But now he's announcing the good news about the Jesus he had just been attacking. And no one saw this coming. Totally. And the same goes for what happened next. So we're going to stop there, and we're just going to catch you guys up to speed. Paul was this guy who had this story of being a really good Hebrew, <laughs> really good Jew. He was really good at what he did, and he thought he was living the right kind of story. He thought that he was doing exactly what God wanted him to do until one day when he was walking along the road, Jesus appeared to him and said to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he falls to his knees and says, Lord, who are you? And he says, I am Jesus, the one you've been persecuting. He lived a story of ripping families apart and feeling really good about it. He lived the story of throwing people in jail and thinking that he was God's best. He was God's own gift to this world. And then he has this life-changing experience that sets him on a new story. And what he's doing here, and we're going to get to it, I'll call for it in a second, but what he's doing in this book of Galatians, and the way he starts off, and this is what I'm going to do here today, is he's really kind of giving us the ingredients, kind of the recipe for a life-changing story. You're going to have to put up with this bad handwriting, and I may go in and out of upper and lower case. Sorry, Miss, Miss, uh, whoever I had for Mrs. Tongue, my third grade teacher. My apologies. We're going in and out of, of that. And so what we have here in this book of Galatians, and what I have up here going on here, is as I was kind of preparing for this message, what I was kind of thinking about was, it's really interesting. You see, during, during the two years of COVID, I found that I needed hobbies. I needed hobbies. I'm not somebody who's normally had hobbies in their life because there always feels like there's more to be done. 
and it feels really hard, maybe yes, some of you can identify with it, it feels really hard to like shut it down, right? Like it feels really hard to shut it down, to shut down life, and to step into space where you feel a little bit freer, where there's not like a responsibility placed on you, like because there's always kids, or there's work, I mean, just like if you just live anywhere, there's always something breaking, you know, if you just live in an apartment, there's always, you know, drywall that's gotten dents in it, or maybe something needs painting, or there's an appliance need fixing, if you live and you got a yard, it always needs mowing and picking up, and I've found the carpenter bees are back again, and so I have to wage war um, there um, with my tennis racket, but there's always something that needs to be done, and so I found that wasn't really good for me, and I needed to get hobbies, I needed to get into some things that weren't so responsibility-laden and were more freeing for me. And somehow, the internet led me to bread-making. To bread-making. I know. I don't know why. I don't know why. But there was something about getting my hands lost in this mess, about being available to the moment, Getting lost in doing something that wasn't about work, that wasn't about kids, that wasn't about, uh, you know, family, that was just being available to the moment that became very freeing for me. And so when I was preparing the story and I'm reading Paul's story, one of the things that kind of stuck out to me is this idea that the basic ingredients that go into our stories are remarkably similar to what goes into basic bread making. You see, no matter what recipe you're using, and there's thousands of recipes out there, there's tons of recipes for baking, but no matter what, you're really only using the same four to five ingredients, just in different quantities, just in different varieties, just in the amount of time that you use with it. It's always the same kinds of ingredients that go into a basic recipe. And I feel like that's kind of like our stories. We're all unique. We all have different things going on in our lives. But we all are affected by people and relationships. We're all affected by events that happen to us, circumstances. We all have kind of the same basic things. That's why we can relate to each other, is we all have our stories. And we can share our stories with others, and you can get that. You know, you could, I can tell you about, we can talk about kids if you're my age and have kids to go to school. We can talk about the stories there. We can talk about jobs. So we all have the same basic ingredients. And it's a lot like bread making. Um, and well, first ingredient that I want to look at that goes into the recipe of a life-changing story is this ingredient of flour, okay? Flour. And this is kind of the baseline, and Paul calls it former life that he was, and I'm going to do this again, he was in. He was in this former way of life. And what I'm going to do is put the scripture up there, and we're going to look at this. And again, you have this in your hands. We're going to kind of walk through this verse by verse today and just really look at what Paul's trying to get across to us. So the first scripture I want to look at is it's going to be Galatians 1, 11 through 14. Galatians 1, 11 through 14. So Paul starts out right here. He says, For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel, for I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through the revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my, and there it is, former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God, Christians, violently, and tried to destroy it. Even Paul himself, like, he doesn't make himself try to look better. 
Can you notice that about his writing style? Can you notice what he's willing to admit to us right here in this scripture? He's not like trying to paint it with this color of, ah, oh, well, he, was, he's, he admits to being violent and trying to destroy. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my father. And if I can kind of sum up what's going on is Paul is admitting to this idea of having a baseline. He calls it his former way of life where he was in Judaism, meaning it was his identity. It's how he saw himself. His worth and his value came from a baseline story of performance, production, doing the right things. And you and I, we all have kind of a baseline story. We have a way of trying to feel worthy, of trying to find significance. We all want to, to find a way to convince ourselves and others that we have worth and value. For Paul, it was a life of being in Judaism. For us, it might be being in our jobs, in relationships. I might get my worth from being in fatherhood, in being a husband. We have these ways of living, these former ways of life that need to be transformed. And it made me think of flour, because that's kind of the baseline here. This is what I think of flour until I started my bread-making journey, which... This is all-purpose flour. This is what you and I grab when we want to do any, you know, like just basic biscuits, uh, pie crusts, uh, any gravy, whatever you want. This is flour. This is all I know. And I love the Hy-Vee brand. You do not have to get expensive all-purpose flour, okay? It's, you're probably going to add a ton of sugar to it anyway, so it doesn't matter. But, you know, we all have these things that happen to us, and we just kind of have this baseline story, right? And it goes in there. But then we have some things happen to us in life. And you know what flour this is? This is rye. Okay, rye technically is not a wheat, it is a grass. Did you know that? Some of you are whiskey drinkers and you know what rye is, right? And you know rye, I see the head nods, rye's a little spicy, right? Just like rye makes whiskey spicy, rye makes bread spicy, okay? And some of y'all are spicy. <laughs> okay, that's, that's right. <laughs> and there are events in our life that are spicy, things happen. Things add, we add it into our life, the spice of life. It goes in there, and we gets in, and it gets all mixed in with that kind of baseline story. And then, this is what I have here. This is King Arthur bread flour, okay? Now, this flour, the profile of this flour is kind of like Dwayne the Rock Johnson, okay? It's got more protein. It's got more beef. It's got more strength. I didn't know bread had protein in it, to be honest with you, any. But this one has more than normal. And what that does is it gives it more lift, and it gives it more rise, and it gives it some strength. And so some of y'all got some of that in you. You know, you got some of that strength in you. You know, you like that. I looked specifically for a type of flower, and now we're getting into the weeds, okay? But we won't go any further than this. We're getting into the weeds. There's a flower called einkorn flower. Has anybody heard of einkorn flower? Anybody? Right there? Yeah. So I didn't know about this, but einkorn flower is a variety of wheat that is 10,000 years old. Like, it goes back. It's not been cross-hybridized. 
It's not like the modern wheat. It's a, it's a variety of wheat that has been kept pure and kept the, the same. So it goes back 10,000 years old. People were eating, milling, and, and making their bread out of einkorn flour. And you can go to like natural grocers or order it online and get that. And what makes einkorn kind of unique is it's kind of this variety that's very hardy. It can survive harsh conditions, right? And some of you are kind of like that, where you have some pieces in your story, some tough things that you had to survive that added kind of a hardness to you. And I've been thinking about this too. It's like once stuff gets added to your story, once it gets mixed in here, right, you can't make it unhappen, can you? Like, could we separate these flowers now? <laughs> no, no, no. We have stuff that gets added, that gets put in, whether we want it to or not. And once we have things happen to us, once something becomes a part of our story, we can't make it unhappen. We need something to transform and change it. We need something to break into our life, to do something with it. Sorry, stage people. I'm just going <laughs> to clean that up later. The second ingredient, and um, I'm going to have them go ahead and put up the next slide um, so I can have it ready. So is yeast. And what yeast is, and I never spell this word right, I'm sorry, is catalyst. It's a catalyst. And I'm going to translate that into what I think of these God moments, okay? And we're going to look at verses, the next verses. We're going to pick up right where we left off. We're going to look at verses 15 and 16. We're going to read these. And Paul continues writing. He's already addressed that he has a former way of life. He's already addressed a baseline story in his life that he can't change. And then he says, but, and this is a really big but. Don't laugh at that. It's a really big but. Everything hangs on the but, okay? <laughs> because it's the but that changes the direction of this story. He's saying, I was headed this way. I was headed in this former way of life. I was in something. That's where I got my identity. But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace... That's God, was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles. I did not immediately consult with anybody else. What I really wanted us to look at is to kind of acknowledge that whole idea that it wasn't him that initiated change. It was God. See, this stuff here, this is flour. It's dead, right? This is dead. This stuff has been cut off. It was alive, it had a root system, it had a structure, and then it was cut off from its life source. And then literally the grains were pulverized and crushed into this dead stuff. And this stuff will sit on a shelf, it'll sit in that bag forever, doing nothing, unless something breaks in and brings it to life. And that's what Paul's trying to do in that sentence structure. He's first saying, I had this former way of life, this former way of living. My identity came from, you know, for us, it might be being a father, being a mother, being a husband, being a wife, being a girlfriend, being a boyfriend, working in this job, providing for me. I might get my identity from that. But that's a dead way of living. My life 
has to have an outside-in influence. And that's where this yeast comes in. This stuff here is dead. But this here, this is alive. It's been dehydrated. You can use something else called a sourdough starter, which I actually have and I keep in my fridge. It's a jar, and it looks like old yogurt, and it's not pleasant, and it smells bad. <laughs> but sometimes change is unpleasant. <laughs> and so what you do with your sourdough starter or your yeast is you mix it in, and this is where the, the, the life of God and our own baseline story, we need some of those God moments, some of those moments. And have you had those? Can you think of one recently? No, just think. Just ponder. Last week, last month, last year, did you have something that felt random, maybe? Like what, and, and you just kind of had this internal questioning going on, and you found yourself just wondering, why is this happening to me? Why me? Why now? What's going on? See, God... And it's, and it's often unsettling, it's often unpleasant, but sometimes we need something to break into our lives because we're not really relying on the true life, which is God. We're relying on former way of lives. We're relying on an old story to give our lives. And so we need God moments, and we need to recognize them. We need to, to journal about them. We need to write them down. We need to remember what they are about in our lives. So we need, ye we need flour, we need yeast. The third ingredient here that we need to uh, experience transformation, and it's, it's water. And I'm going to write here living water. And then I'm going to write the word soaking. Okay, and I'll explain that why. So let's go to the next piece of scripture. We're just going line by line to, to help understand. We're getting this ingredient. This recipe comes from Paul. So if we go to the next scripture... Um, it should be 16 and 17. So we're kind of picking up halfway through. Paul says, uh, How God in his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him to the Gentiles. Those would be anybody who's not a Jew. I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went away to Arabia and then returned to Damascus. Now what he did was this, you look at what he's going on in his life, you kind of look at this progression, is he's recognizing that he has a former way of life that isn't real life. He's recognizing that God is showing up. God is catalyzing his life. He's using these God moments, trying to propel him forward, to bring his life, his grace, into his dead life. But then what he does is, is he goes away to Arabia, which is kind of an isolated place. It's kind of away from everybody. And what he does there is he spends time soaking himself in God's story for him so that he's not drawn back to the old story. See, you and I, we are thirsty people. We thirst for things, literally things. Our material comforts. We thirst for circumstances to happen in a certain way. You and I have a vision. We have our own vision of how things should go. We think that if we do this, you know, we try and equate life to a formula where if we do this and this and this, then things should happen a certain way. What we have to do, and what Paul had to do, 
was we had to realize that he needs to not go back to the old well, the old story, not go back to the place that he was familiar with quenching his thirst. There's another example, and I'm just going to briefly hit on this story. Um, there's an example, uh, we'll get away from Paul, get away from us, but this woman at a well in John chapter 4. There's this story where there's this woman at a well, and Jesus comes up and he meets her, and she's getting water in the middle of the day, which really signifies she's an outcast because she's alone. She's not with anybody, and she's going at noon which was the hottest part of the day. The only reason you would want to go to the well to get the water for your house at the hottest part of the day was if you wanted to avoid people, if you didn't want to be seen. And so she's by there at the well by herself. And Jesus comes in and they start having this conversation about water and thirst. And Jesus looks at her and says this. He says, Anyone who drinks of this water again at the well they were at, anyone who drinks of this water again will be thirsty. But whoever drinks of the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I give him will become a spring of water welling up to eternal life. We are creatures of habit. We have these old stories in our lives, these old unchanged things and we always go back to them, or we tend to. It's our nature, it's our habit, it's our instinct to just fall back into the same patterns. The only way to break a bad habit and to not let it have power over our life is to find a new habit, a better habit. Once you get a rut set in your life, it's so easy to fall back into, isn't it? You can't get that rut out. So what you got to do is get a new rut, a new habit. And that's what Paul's doing. He's saying, man, I got to rethink some things here. I got to rethink this whole spiritual journey. I thought I had Jesus figured out. The way I read the scriptures, the way I interpreted my life said things happened this way. But then God shows up. He gives me this God moment that I have to recognize is from his grace, his undeserved love for me alone. And I got to change. I got to go back to these scriptures. I got to read it in a different lens. I got to read it in a different life. I need to soak myself in the new story God has for me so that I don't go back to the old story that leads to death, that leads me to thirst again. I need the new story. I need to become immersed in it. If we want transformation to sink to the deepest part of our souls, we have to soak ourselves in God's story what space do you? What space might you? What space can you create for yourself to soak in the words of Jesus and in the words of God so that his words for your life are more important than any words for your life? If we don't soak in a new story, we're going to go back to the old story. There's just no way around it. A story will run your life. There's no way around a story controlling your life. Which story, though? Whose story controls your life? There's an app that I love for this to make it really practical. It's called Lectio. 
It's an app. You can get it on your phone. There are actually two apps that they made, Lectio 365, and you can text Lectio, and we'll send you the links right now. Um, but Lectio is an app for kids. There's a Lectio for families, and there's a Lectio for adults. And what they've done is, is they've just created these kind of daily devotionals that you can just listen to. I'm going to play one just right now real quick. And I just love them because uh, they just make it easy. Hear that? And we are joining with millions of other Christians around the world for 10 days of prayer and mission. And my kids love it because they're British. <laughs> and if that's what it takes to get a foreign accent to get my kids to listen, sign, sign me up. <laughs> sign me up. And they try to like quote it and they try to like, oh, hi, you know, like it's to follow God. You know, they try and do all the fun stuff with it too. But what I love about the Lectio app is it's just a way to step into Arabia. That's what Paul's talking about. That's what Arabia can be. Arabia could be just a little corner of your room. Arabia can be the drive that you have to work. Arabia could be before you go to bed. Arabia can be before you get up, um, in the, before anybody else gets up in the morning. But what we're doing is we're just choosing. This is where it gets fun, guys. We're just choosing to soak, to just soak and absorb the real water, the living water, Jesus, who keeps us becoming thirsty again. Or I'll say this, it's probably not that, it's probably this. We will be thirsty again as we live on this earth, all right? This whole following Jesus thing isn't a magic pill. It's not a magic set of words, prayers, especially not this like incantation where if I say, dear father, then everything's going to be good. In fact, following Jesus, I think, makes life more painful. That sucks. But when you really try to follow Jesus, you start to see how broken things are, really. You start to see how broken you are, really. And that's painful. But what it does is by acknowledging the thirst of the soul, we get to go to the maker of our soul and say, but Jesus, you're the only one that can really get there. And I'm not going to keep numbing myself through trying to buy enough stuff or do whatever it might be, your particular brand of numbing out. See, what's happening is, 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 is we're becoming alive. We're becoming alive, and becoming alive is going to mean experiencing pain. Following a Jesus might even bring more pain into your life. But he's the one that can satisfy the thirst in our soul. So the fourth thing, after we soak, or there's some soaking that needs to go on, oh my, is mixing and kneading. And this step, and if they would go ahead and bring up uh, the scripture up there, um, I'm going to read it very quickly, is sharing our stories. So the mixing and the kneading, this is the sharing. i got to take off my ring for this or I will never get it clean. If it'll come off, I've had too much salt in the last couple days apparently. We're just going to go with it, y'all. 
<laughs> then, so Paul here is saying, then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas. Now, Cephas is just another name for Paul. It's just a different name that he went by. And I remained with him for 15 days, but I saw none of the other apostles except James and the Lord's brother. And what I'm writing to you before God, I do not lie. And so what he's doing is, and I imagine this, and this is the, mix, the mixing and the kneading, and I'll try and stand here. You see how messy it gets? Oh my gosh, this stuff gets so messy. It's so, but it's also kind of satisfying to squeeze it and press it in there and do all kind of fun stuff. And so what Paul's doing is, uh, Paul's been soaking, okay? Paul's been soaking and he's been absorbing. But what you have to do to bread, to actually make it bread, is you have to mix it and knead it. And you know what happens when you're mixing and kneading and get <coughs> getting all messy here is you're forming connections. Have you heard of gluten? <laughs> we have some communion up here and we have some gluten-free options. What we're forming is gluten. We're actually trying to form bonds at like the molecular level. We're forming bonds when we do this. And as you press in and you squeeze and you, and, you, and you move it around, and you swish it around. What we're forming here are bonds. And these bonds are absolutely needed. They're essential to getting to that final product that's going to be nourishing. And this is the whole sharing your story. It's like, who do you have in your life that you get messy with? <laughs> Look at that. It just sticks to you. Who do you have that you stick with? Who do you get messy with in your life? Who do you just kind of get, get into each other's business <laughs> and share? See, this is what we need. We need this kind of mixing and kneading. It's, again, it's not always pleasant. It gets on you. But what we do is if we stick with this process long enough, we keep squeezing. Oh my gosh. We keep doing this. This is what it's like, and I don't have 10 minutes to do this, so, so we're going to cut it off. But once you keep going, once you keep squeezing, once you keep doing this, you're going to end up with something that starts to look like bread. I thought I had my dough scraper up here somewhere. Oh, there it is. Again, sometimes this connection process, it's just messy. Sometimes you got to scrape it down. Sometimes you got to get in there and get it all off and just have it all out and sometimes it takes time and it's messy and, and you do all that but if you just keep with it and that's what i think this messy mixing process is like is is you need that time with others if you don't have time with others if you don't make time with others you're not going to form the bonds that give you enough strength to make it and that's what we need. We need others giving strength to us. And so it's going to take time, but if you're patient, if you stick with it, if you don't give up, it's going to pay off. It's something you can't get impatient with, but we need that. We need that in our lives. We need to be able um, to mix and need and share our stories with each other. And then the last ingredient here is salt. And this is sharing not our story, but the story. Of God in our lives. Jesus said this, he says, You are the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it loses its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot 
as worthless. What does salt do? It adds flavor. You know, when we get to the final, when we get to the final stage, if you can imagine this, you know, as a loaf of bread, something that gives nourishment, what we want to do is share that flavor with others. We want to share the flavor. We want to share the nourishment. We want to share this with other people in our lives. And I totally forgot to grab salt on the way here this morning. So <laughs> you're going to have to imagine that being in there. Um, but what we want to do for the rest of the time that we have today is we have, um, we're going to have two songs coming up where we're going to do communion. And let me explain what we've got going on is at the back and kind of all around at the, there uh, in those corners back there um, and behind, I think behind some of those chairs, there's these little booklets and what we want is we would love for you to grab one of these. Now, you can get up and go grab one and sit down at some of those tables that have been reserved for communion. You can come back and sit back down. You can grab communion on the way back. But what was inci- what, what's inside of these is a way to help you write your own little recipe. If you have your own little recipe book, what's your recipe for a life-changing story? What are your ingredients? And so what we have is some little tags on here where it just says, My story, and I once was... You know, this is to help you verbalize it, because sometimes it can be really scary sharing our story. And if we haven't gone through the process of thinking out what has happened in our lives to change our lives, how can we ever share that with others if we haven't captured that inside of us and been able to write it down? And so this is just a little process to help you do that. So just go through it. I once was, then God, sorry, the dough is making this impossible right now, then God, and now, and I'll share with. And so we're going to create some space, and what that might look like for you, I kind of thought about this for myself even, and I just kind of wanted to share that with you. This is how you might just take it and verbalize it to yourself in a simple way, but in a way that really declares the, the, the change and the difference God is making in your life. And so for me, um, filling that out, I would say I, I once was blind to how I was living a life that was outwardly productive, but inwardly destructive. My worth was connected to my performance, much like Paul's. And I I now have a way of seeing how that put me on a roller coaster of emotional insecurity that was wrecking me. But God broke into my life. He showed me through different events, people, and circumstances that my worth doesn't come from my performance. My worth comes from Jesus' performance. My worth is secure in him no matter how I feel. And now I can see that emotional roller coaster earlier. I can recognize it sooner. It isn't gone, but it also isn't as dominant. I have a way of getting off that roller coaster sooner than later. And that way is Jesus. So you can think about that how can you verbalize the difference? And maybe this isn't something that's been done. Maybe this is something that God is doing, if you want to think about like that. So we have these available. Um, we also are going to have some members from our prayer team that if you want somebody to pray for you, if you just have something you want to share with them, I'm going to have some prayer team members um, standing over here, um, uh, kind of under the screen, and they're just available. You can walk up to them and say, I would like prayer for this, and share that with them, and they're just going to pray for you if you would like that. And then the last thing um, we have here, and kind of around the table and up in the balcony also, there's a station with all the stuff up in the balcony, is um, communion. And this is just the act of remembering 
who Jesus was. Not just a prophet, not just a teacher, not just a good moralistic guy. But the actual son of God who died and then got up from the grave. Who is alive still with God. Waiting to come back and make all the old broken crap new. And so if you're somebody who is or wants to identify yourself in Jesus more than you identify with any other thing, then Jesus asks us to, to partake in that communion, to have some bread, to have some fruit of the vine, it's grape juice, <laughs> and just remember that he really wa- he wasn't just a prophet, he wasn't just a teacher, he wasn't just some moralistic idea. He was the son of God who got up from the grave. So I'm going to pray, and then uh, we're going to have a short video, and then we're going to have our music team come up, and we're going to have a couple songs for you to participate in what God is doing here now. Would you guys pray with me, please? Father God, I just want to thank you so much for um, providing all of this um, space, for providing the time in our schedules to reflect and think about um, what it looks like to experience life change. I pray that each one of us would start to figure out our own recipe for life change. That we would be able to identify all the stuff you are doing to bring us from deadness to life, to get us to change our habits so that we don't rely on our old story, but we embrace a new story that we can absorb and soak in the story of Jesus that we can find people in our lives to connect to and people that we can share your story with. Father, I just pray for all of our time here this morning that we would be present to your presence in this room or where we might be viewing right now. It's in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen.